Welcome to the Arts Union Science Journal. Please enter your password. Dear viewers of the Arts Union Science Journal, welcome back to the journal that intends to analyze movies the way others analyze science. Today, we humbly present the next episode of Volume 4, our discovery-based research episodes. This episode is titled, Bromance as an Allosteric Inhibitor to Justice in Point Breaks, colon, a rope of sand. My name is Tyler D.R. Vance. As always, I will be your corresponding author. And joining us this week is Corey A. Stevens, our first author. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing great. Are you super excited? I'm, I'm really excited to be here, actually. <laughs> well, that's great. I'm super excited to have you. You and I have known each other for quite a few years now, all mostly in the scientific realms. This will be one of the first times that I think we really just sit down and talk for an extended period of time about something that actually isn't science. Yeah, that's, that'll be true. I think that's accurate. Yeah, because you do have like a pretty is like impressive pedigree when it comes to science. You have your bachelor's in science from uh, University of Lethbridge, um, PhD from Queen's University in biochemistry, then um, that you've been postdoctoral researcher at both EPFL in Switzerland and now also at MIT in the US of A. Um, but we don't do a whole lot of science talk here, despite the title. We actually talk more about movies. And so I think it'd be good to ask you the question, if those are your affiliations to science, what are your affiliations to movies? What would be on a CV that you would have to give to someone to convince them? I could talk at length about movies. Oh, that's a tough question off the start. Um, <laughs> yeah, we don't, we don't, we don't have any slow balls here. We just hit fast yeah. right off the bat. <laughs> I think, I think my uh, my affiliation to movies or like my knowledge of movies, much like rap music, centers around the '90s and the early 2000s. Since like. Since starting grad school, I like haven't, you know, had much time to to watch a lot of movies or get really involved in movies. Think about this podcast. It took us like three months to to for me to watch these two movies. One, yeah. as you'll find out, I had to watch it two two times speed. Oh no. Well, I hope it's the the correct one to watch at two times speed for this. Yeah. So if you need to know anything about action films in the 90s i'm your man other than that oh and rom-coms i do love a good rom-com me too and there haven't been a lot of good ones in like the last like decade no no like people. when was stranger than fiction stranger than fiction was stranger than fiction would have been like mid 2000s mm. yeah so that was a good one it's like i'm always a big fan of like the well, julia roberts I run to see the big sick though it's the big sick oh, the big sick was really good that was a good rom-com uh, well Today, it's funny enough that we are definitely not talking about a rom-com, although some people might say that Point Break has a it has certain... some romantic element. Exactly. There's a, there's a rom-com-y element to it one way or another. At least the first one is. At least the first one is. Um, but yeah, we're going to be talking about Point Break. Not just Point Break, but Point Breaks, the two of them, one from 1991 and the one from 2015, um, because somehow, despite your pedigree as an action movie connoisseur, uh, bodhicattva of like um, 90s action movies, as it were. Um, I somehow managed to get through the entirety of our like, time together at Queens without ever watching Point Break. Um, so when you found that out, it was decided that this was going to be the movie. And why don't we throw in the 2015 Point Break as well? Because neither of us had seen it. And I suppose we're just kind of masochists in some way. We are in grad school after all. Well, we're our postdocs now after all. Yeah, <laughs> One, I thought I thought the the new one came out like a year ago or two years ago. When I saw that it came out in 2015, I was like, holy shit. <laughs> Where have I been? 
Yeah, the the first one, the first one's a good movie. Even at rewatch, I think it's still a good action film. It like highlights most of the '90s and really like represents a transition from from the the action film of the '80s. Well, it's funny because when I was watching it, I was trying to pinpoint a decade. So I was trying to think, I'm like, this feels like the 80s, but it feels different. It also feels like the 90s. And it was like 91. I'm like, oh, that would make sense. It is literally on that <laughs> transition cusp. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The break between the two. Yeah. Like, it, it really, like, I feel like most of the action films in the 80s were based on some, like, military thing. You know, like, you have Top Gun. You have yep. Commando, I think, mm-hmm. with Arnold yep. Schwarzenegger. You know, and then, then you get... In the early '90s, you get what is it? You Die Hard. You get um, this movie, Point Break. You get the Lethal Weapons. Oh yeah, it really might makes a transition from from the American war complex to more everyday everyday heroes. The everyday heroes of John McClane and the like. Yeah, it's like, and somehow it's like Gary Busey has managed to be in both Lethal Weapon and Point Break with very different roles, but... Yeah, when was the first Lethal Weapon? Maybe we're getting off topic here. I think it was in the 80s at some point. There's the, Gary Busey has yeah. like the most intense set of teeth I've ever encountered in my <laughs> life. But didn't, didn't he had some sort of like accident, right? And Is that why? That, yeah, that he had would... like some like motorcycle accident. Um, well, that would make sense. And he, was like, like, and... he was like recovering in this movie so are you telling me that he was on pain meds for a lot of this while he was screaming at keanu reeves because i I believe you (laughs) yeah all right well let us get into this whole thing um we're going to start talking about these but we do have a like a uh, a rhyme and a reason we have an order to set just like all things in science and for those of you who are reviewing our episodes for the very first time uh, our analysis actually follows the traditional sections present in a scientific paper um, what that means that we're going to be starting, like all great things do, with the introduction, which places the film into context, is like providing a brief history that is both objective and subjective. Um, we here also don't really care much for the wants and whims of those who have not seen Point Break. We are a spoilerific podcast by nature. Um, so for those of you who were much like me and had somehow managed to stumble your way through life without ever seeing Point Break or Point Break, um be warned like we are going to spoil everything and just to make that clear i'm actually going to give a brief plot summary um that's going to somehow try to like encapsulate what happens in both point breaks which shouldn't be that hard because they kind of follow pretty lockstep with each other as they go through so are you ready to hear what i have cooked up for a plot summary for point breaks oh definitely all right there's a highly organized crew of bank robbers on the loose. With their flair for theatrics and intense physicality, it seems likely that they will continue to embarrass and elude the FBI forever. Well, unless some green behind the ears blue flame special of an agent shows up with a new take on the case and blows the whole thing wide open. But what are the chances of that happening? Well, indeed this has happened. Twice, actually. Once in 1991, when quarterback-turned-uppercase FBI agent Keanu Reeves used his experience as a woe-dude Theodore Logan to infiltrate a group of surfers-turned-bank robbers. And again in 2015, when polyathlete-turned-lowercase FBI agent Luke What's-His-Face Bracey used his experience as a Nirvana-seeking twat to infiltrate a group of other Nirvana-seeking twats who moonlight as bank robbers-slash-eco-terrorists. 
In both cases, the infiltration ends up leading to flourishing romances, undercuts of bromances, and a copious number of bullets being impotently ejaculated into the sky. After the covers get blown, the feelings get hurt, and the criminal endeavors get thwarted, the leaders of the respective criminal groups from 91 and 15 both manage to avoid their FBI adversaries, until, many years later, the criminals stand before the largest waves of the century, ready to take them on, and who should show up? But beneath the anger and duty that makes these men adversaries, there lies an intense respect, and maybe something more. And that respect, or whatever it is, urges the FBI agents to let their criminal counterparts reach Nirvana on the waves instead of behind bars. And that's how I see Point Break 1 and its other one. <laughs> the reimagined Point Break. <laughs> yes, exactly. The, uh, the chimera we always wanted. Um, the objective history of Point Break Senior, which was released in 1991, is, is that it actually made at the time around $83.5 million worldwide, according to Box Office Mojo. Point Break Junior, on the other hand, made $133 million worldwide, which is, and this is true, more. But net profits for Senior are actually still higher due to Junior's ridiculous $100 million budget. So they spent $100 million on that? They spent a hundred million dollars, and they made back. <laughs> is like they made back thirty-three million. <laughs> well, like I think the original Point Break is. made like like over sixty million or something. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> um, on the critical side, Point Break Senior holds sixty-seven percent on the review aggregator Rotten Tomatoes with an N of sixty-three critics, which is kind of stupid, but you know, critics be stupid when it comes to things like action and rom-com. Um, it's like the junior version only made 11% on the same platform with an end of 111 critics. So much higher end value for the second one, which means that we can be very certain that 11% is the correct number <laughs> for that one. <laughs> um, but we're not here to get really objective. We're here to get subjective as hell. So um, since I have no previous experience with Point Breaks, um, what, how did you first come across Point Break 91? Uh, what was your first experience with this film? Yeah, I, I've tried to think about that. I, I don't really know. Um, Just been there forever? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's really hard to say what was the first time I saw it. I remember the feeling. Yeah, I, like it's a feeling of just euphoria. <laughs> like what an amazing movie I just watched. <laughs> I, I think I, I must have been like, I don't know eight or nine when I saw it the first time. I definitely saw it on VHS. Yeah. Back when they I, had VHS. I feel like this movie demands to be watched on VHS. There's just <laughs> something about the surfing scenes that really, like, mm. I just feel like I wasn't getting the proper experience with the occasional, like, white squiggly line going up the screen or something because I've been watching this VCR <laughs> for so long. Yeah. But I do have to say, so then I rewatched them on YouTube. Um and I want to say the the visuals for the first one really like hold up, I feel, which is something we can talk about in the results section maybe. Um, and then I watched the 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 new one, which I thought was like I mentioned, came out relatively not that long ago. It's already six years ago, and I watched the first twenty minutes, and it was absolutely painful, and I was like. I told Tyler I would watch this, so I have to watch this. And so I'm going to watch it at two and a half times speed. 
Oh, well, you know what? I appreciate you sticking to the mandate. You definitely watch the movie. And um, I think so. I, is... there's, a few, there's a few points. Like when it came to like dialogue, I'm like, okay, it's like slow it down. Yeah. Watch it so I catch it all. And then I'm like, okay, I don't need to see a 30 minute squirrel jump. <laughs> you know, like. <laughs> Oh, those those. And then trend- I slowed down, I slowed, I slowed down the, the the climbing part as well. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and we will definitely get into that in the results section because there's um that I have a lot of thoughts um and they are they are colored, <laughs> um, but uh like this is actually a really good transition into the portion of the materials and methods um. So for those of you who don't know, Materials and Methods are actually a comprehensive guide to the equipment and methodology that was used to watch the movie. Uh, In theory, the information given should be detailed enough to allow others to reproduce the results from your viewing experience. But you can also suggest ways to improve the experience in the future. Um, So you kind of already started off with this. So (laughs) would you recommend Point Break 2015 to be watched at 2.5 speed? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So they're like... Either like watched at two point five speed, or or yeah, I don't think there's really any other way to consume it. <laughs> like, there's there's no there's zero character development to speak. <laughs> like, for sure, to either at like two point five speed, or to have it on in the background while you're like doing something else. Not nothing that requires your full attention. No, I completely, I I, I would agree with that. And I should have done that. That's what I definitely should have done. Um, but my material message, I was like, was <laughs> didn't sadly follow that. Um, instead, I, I ended up renting both Point Breaks on YouTube for a whopping four ninety nine Canadian, and then let them rest in my library for two to four days, or until uh, all that cool comes to room temperature. Um, using like PlayStation Four, was like, um, is like I watch it on a forty-two inch TV LG. Is like, I guess, do you have a TV or are you a laptop person now? I'm. I just use the same laptop we've had. <laughs> so the nice little like Dell. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, well, it's like, um, I think I would, uh, I would recommend that the only saving grace for is like Point Break twenty fifteen is. If you watch it on a slightly larger screen, you do get do get to appreciate that, man. Portions of this movie would make for a really good extreme sports or energy drink mm, commercial. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, but then in keeping with the spirit of the thing, I made sure to consume uh, a tuna on white, along with fifty grams of nutritional media in the form of nacho cheese Doritos per point break. <laughs> um, no alcoholic supplement was needed, uh, though I did have a strong hankering for Corona for some reason. Uh, <laughs> don't really know why. Um, but definitely in the future, uh, if you have to watch Point Break 2015, and I don't know what other scenario outside of this one would <laughs> take away the, your freedoms so that you are forced to watch Point Break 2015, um, I'd recommend, yeah, yes, 2.5 speed would be good. Having it on in the background while you're doing something else. Um, even like having it on in the background on your TV, but then watching the original point break with sound <laughs> in the foreground, yeah. <laughs> that might be a better way to do it. I wouldn't even watch it on the airplane. <laughs> it's not even an airplane movie. And some of the shit that I've seen you watch on airplanes. <laughs> 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 oh, 
Yeah, yeah, not not great. And just to tell you exactly how great it is, is like, or specifically how not great the 2015 one is, um, I guess we're going to head into our joint results and discussion section. Um, so for those of you who don't know, the results section is the meat and potatoes in the scientific publication. It's where uh, you basically reveal any newly acquired data and the frameworks you're going to use to analyze them. Well, the discussion is when you take that newly acquired data and then connect it to things that have been done previously, other movies that exist outside of this small little sphere that we have in the Point Break universe. Um, since we're going to be comparing two movies today, the homebrewed analysis model that has been chosen for this particular discussion is called the Le Chatelier's Principle, um, which is a good model for comparison between two very similar films, such as remakes. Um, so to give you a little background on what this like analysis model uses, so Henry Louis is a oh no, let's get some like some French in there. Ahem. Henry Louis Le Chatelier was a chemist with an eye for balance. His oft gushed about Le Chatelier's principle not only describes the factors that influence chemical equilibria, such as temperature, pressure, and concentration, but how changes in these factors will result in a counteracting change in this equilibrium. The same principle can be applied to comparative film criticism. In this movie, one film is set up as the reactant and the other as the product of a cinematic reaction. And then we then look at this equilibrium and kind of indicate what factors, be them character, tone, action, shift the equilibrium in one direction or the other. Um, in this case, our reactant will be the original, the 1991, and then through some terrifying chemical process by which we create really desaturated color, an extensive, very monochromatic, both in terms of light and in terms of dynamics, like action sequences, we then end up with the product, the 2015 Point Break. Looking at this chemical reaction between the two, I think it becomes very clear that we've already given our hand in terms of which side of the reaction we would favor. It would be the reverse side back towards 91. Um, so where do you want to start our, our discussion of the factors that make this so? Why is the 91 version of Point Break so much better than its terrible, terrible remake? <laughs> the first one, yeah. The first one starts with um, surfing, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and <laughs> the first five minutes of the 2015 version is like some extreme dirt biking down some like narrow, um, you know, knife edge of a mountaintop. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it, which is like the visual, you know, looks pretty cool. And then they stop at some like ledge and he like encourages his like, friend like it, it sets up the whole plot i guess he like encourages his friend to make this like dangerous jump with his motorcycle and it, of course his friend doesn't want to do it then overshoots it and falls to his death <laughs> and this guy gives up extreme sports because of that <laughs> yeah it's it's one of those movies that i went into pretty sure that it was going to be terrible and then the first shot is just like really hard cut to like from black to just like this like really impressive like landscape, this like desert, mm -hmm. like with all these like switchbacks and whatnot. And and it's silence, no music at all. And I'm like, this is quite an interesting way to start the movie. I'm actually excited. And then the two actors show up in their dirt bikes, as you said, have the most mundane, terrible <laughs> conversation of all I'm like, OK, this is getting a little rocky. And then some like strange like 
punk song that I've never heard of from like the <laughs> like mid 2010s starts playing and they 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 have like an extreme sports commercial where it's the same six shots over and over again admittedly very impressive stunts but just like the same that's showcasing the same six shots over and over again and yeah then and then poor Jeff we hardly knew ye he just goes <laughs> flying right off that thing <laughs> yes. and they have zero chemistry together <laughs> yeah he's like and then that's going to haunt him for the rest of the episode. And he's going to be like, just like Jeff. And we're like, who? Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. 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 Forgot about Jeff. Meanwhile, it's like 1991. Point Break starts with this really strange, like, ethereal, like, sequence where it's, we're cutting back and forth between Patrick Swayze's character, like, surfing in slow motion with these, like, kind of, like, ethereal, creepy, like, tones playing over it. And then Keanu Reeves just like shooting the shit out of these like cardboard like um, cutouts for the FBI training thing in the rain, in the rain, soaking wet with just <laughs> so much bicep. Like I've never I don't yeah. think I've, I've seen Keanu Reeves in so many movies. I've never seen him have that much bicep ever again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, something I really liked about that opening actually, too, is that like it has the um, was it the opening like a. Uh, credits when they're like crediting the actors stuff like that they keep on going back and forth across the screen almost like waves coming in and out as they mm. hit the beach which is like a nice little uh nice little addition it's like that the the director kind of put in there um but like what about this opening does this opening work for you like do you like the way that 91 like kind of gets you into the into the movie or it's like a is this just kind of like a speed bump to better things as you move forward. Yeah, I like the way 91 opened. I felt like I didn't know anything about surfing or anything like that. And it just seemed like so cool, you know? When you're like a small, impressionable child, you're like, this <laughs> this looks so cool. And it's this like sort of stark contrast between, you know, this like very free, um, you know, surfing guy and this, you know, person in this rigid training program who has to shoot bullets in the rain because, you know, the FBI doesn't, there's no rain days for the FBI. They got to keep working, you know? <laughs> and so it's not stuff I picked up um, as a small, impressionable child, but what I feel now is watching it again. I, you know, for me, it works, but I could be tainted by by nostalgia. No, for, uh, for me, I think it really works as well. And it actually kind of fits into like a larger thing that I've seen with the director, Catherine Bigelow's work. Um, so she, before Point Break, she directed a movie called Blue Steel um, with Jamie Lee Curtis. It's kind of like a sexual thriller about like a uh, cop whose like um, gun is stolen and then someone starts murdering people with her gun is like, and like kind of framing her for it. Um, and uh, it's uh, it's a really interesting movie, but the entirety of the opening is just like, these like black background and these really close-up shots just like of a of a gun like just sliding up and down around it seeing like bullets being put in stuff like that and kind of with these same strange like ethereal tones going on that makes it sound really creepy and it was strange to see them again in point break it was kind of like this is like an interesting calling card of this person yeah yeah for sure and also sort of like a weird way to start like an action film you know, usually it's like explosions and machine guns, you know, but she was setting the stage for having having Keanu work in the work in the rain. You know, it's like setting the stage, like some pathetic fallacy. Like he's like he's like a conflicted character. Yeah, well, it's um, he also ends the movie like drenched in rain as well. So it's like a nice mm -hmm. like oh, end on both sides. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, but it's like after this scene, we then go into probably. I, I think this was actually because I watched the opening scene and I, and I was enjoying it on like an academic level. Like I was seeing these similarities to Catherine Bigelow's last work and like going through it and kind of mm-hmm. like, oh, this is kind of cool. This is like neat, a neat way to set up the movie. Very good. I didn't really start feeling the movie until we get to the next sequence, which is like a long one take where Keanu Reeves comes to the FBI agency and then gets taken by Dr. Cox from Scrubs through this like long <laughs> yeah. winding tour as they're just like, it's just such quick dialogue bouncing all over the mm. place. And it's mm-hmm. so funny and it's so like energetic and it has like the greatest ending of all times where it's like, I don't know how you ended up here. I guess we had an asshole shortage and he like walks away and Keanu Reeves <laughs> just goes up. Doesn't seem that way. <laughs> or is it not so far? I think he's surprised. Yeah. It's so yeah. good. Yeah. I, I, I do find like when I rewatched it, um, I find it's like the other characters really stole the show, you know, like I like, you know, Dr. Cox's character, you know, I thought, um, you know, Gary Busey was, was good. Um, who's the, uh, Tom Sizemore, um, what, what's, what's the, the love interest? What's her name? Oh, um, it was like the character's name is Tyler Endicott. Um, I don't remember what the actress's name is. But she, she, she was also in, you know, she was very good in that. She was also in Free Willy. You oh, know? Yeah. She was, wasn't she? <laughs> <laughs> she was also in, in the Army now with Polly Shore. Mm. Um, uh, and, and Patrick Swayze, all like really, like Tom, Tom Sizemore's role, like <laughs> pretty good. <laughs> yeah, Patrick yeah. Swayze. Yeah, there's um, a... I have to say that it's like I'm it's like I am uh, I have been described by a friend of mine as um, tragically heterosexual, but there is no I have never been more attracted to a man than I have been to Patrick Swayze in this movie. <laughs> it was yeah. I was very confused. I'm like this because like, I've seen him in other movies before, but it was just something about that like terrible blonde dye job and like the kind mm. of like the it's like and he has like this kind of like. Beard. Oh yeah, and there's like the little beard, and he's got this kind of like manic joviality to him, like where you look at him and he's not sure if he's gonna laugh or punch you in the face. That it's just like <laughs> it's it's so like magnetic and like really like tantalizing, and it like you makes you look at this and kind of be like, I can see how a person would kind of like fall for this guy in terms of his philosophies, in terms of kind of just wanting to be on his good side. Um, if we take all we've talked about with all the great characters in this movie. And then we juxtapose it against (laughs) the 2015 version. Can you tell me anything about any of those characters? (laughs) Yeah, nothing, nothing. There's there's like the Bodhi character is terrible. You know, like all those qualities you said about Patrick Swayze, he has none of them. Like he doesn't draw you in. He doesn't like make you want to like, like you're not attracted to them. Like you don't, we don't want to be their friend. You're not like sort of somewhat scared by them or not you know watching back now like i was surprised like patrick swayze was in roadhouse you know and but he was never really like an action star like he's he's like very well known for like like quite a few cult movies but like it's pretty much like this one in dirty dancing and the outsiders that are like the three things that i kind of know him from and ghost but like it surprises me like watching him now like like why wasn't he bigger star yeah, well, apparently he was kind of notoriously difficult to work with in some ways. Um, one of one of those. Uh, 
but like exceptionally talented and did a lot of his own stunts. Like I think he did a ridiculous number of actual skydives for like um, this movie. Yeah, this is something I want to talk about later because the first skydive, I don't understand why they do now. Watching back, I think it's a huge plot hole. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we but yeah, I have some thoughts in, as well. In terms, yeah, in terms of the characters in the second one, like you know, like the the rest of the gang, you know in the first one have like personalities and like different traits and you know are like interesting and the ones in this movie were like so forgettable you know like the love interest like i couldn't i didn't can't even remember her name or i can't even picture the actress who played her no like i have no idea who was no like if you if you compare like the the introduction of a lot of these characters like when like uh Tyler Endicott, like the his love interest in ninety one is introduced. It's so funny because she's saving Keanu Reeves from almost drowning because he's really bad mm-hmm. at surfing. And then she just like lays him out on the on the beach and then just starts like berating <laughs> him. Just like starts screaming like, yeah. What are you doing? If you <laughs> look at this board. This board, you don't belong here at all. And then he like calls out his name when she's leaving. He's like she's like, Who cares? <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and it does like it's such an immediate impact, like such a definitive character that has just shown up on screen. And as like as much as like you know she does have to play the damsel in distress, like the the hurt is like a person on the other side of this um this kind of like undercover ruse and stuff like that. She's like a real person, and you actually kind mm-hmm. of like mm-hmm. like her and respect her as opposed to the character in the 2015 version, who is effectively only there for the shock of her being of her dying later. Mm-hmm. like that's the only thing she's got they have she has two scenes before that with the main character where she's immediately just like on board to be flirty and like uh like swimming underwater for an extended period of time and yeah all that sort of stuff but just yeah. who is this person what's her name what was she about i don't know yeah there's like, there's like no chemistry no connection the one thing i did find weird rewatching it was like the the first one is like when he's like watching her change, like, that is weird. <laughs> <laughs> that is very weird. And I was like, I was like, and then like that, it goes from that to an immediate thing of him like stalking her online through the police database to like find out about her, like in ways he can like, like get is like get in with her. Or is like, yeah. like <laughs> Keanu, yeah, <That's> gross. <laughs> yeah, very very gross. That, that's also a difference between this one and the, the the new one was, you know, she wasn't involved in any of that stuff, you know, whereas like, you know, the, the, the new Johnny Utah just shoots this like person and it turns out to be this woman. And then he's like sad about it. I'm like, this is horrible writing. Oh, yeah. And the movie's like, oh, aren't you sad? I'm like, no, he's <laughs> who is this person? And he's like, Yeah, but you see, he keeps losing people just like Jeff. Who? <laughs> oh, yeah, right. <laughs> no, there are so many characters in like the 91 version that even though they have like much, like pretty small parts, they leave like a huge impact. Like, even as we had talked, like the head of the FBI in this thing, like Dr. Cox, just like such a personality, such an immediate presence, and kind of like like impact that he leaves in terms of the idea of this kind of like hierarchy of the FBI of like the quote unquote man that Bodhi keeps talking about. I'm like, Oh yeah, there he is. <laughs> That's the man as opposed to like the one in the 2015 version who is like, I don't know, nice, like exceptionally like, un- like he gets angry at the lead character for things he shouldn't. And then he believes him 
for other things that he really shouldn't as well. Like, I think they're doing this ridiculous thing. Why? I don't know. <laughs> Seems like it's what they're doing. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I also believe the um, like the motivation of the 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 ninety one game much more than the the two thousand fifteen game. Like, they're like, oh yeah, like you know, we just rob banks to support our like lifestyle, and we like love living on the edge and like pushing the extreme, you know. And the the new one, it's it's like borderline racist. You know, it's like, okay, we're chasing this, like, Ozaki 8. So they like, call it some, like, you know, non-traditional, like, or some Asian name. And to, like, sort of take on this sort of sense of, like, Eastern medicine. Like, oh, yeah, like, this this Ozaki 8, and we're going to chase the world doing these things. And then we're going to search, like, enlightenment, you know, based on this guy's teaching. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> it's it's definitely an example of less is more like really is like yeah like as you said like i completely buy them just like yeah they're doing this to be able to sustain the lifestyle but then also like you know patrick swayze has his like one speech he gives about you know we're doing this to showcase to all those like those like people in their metal coffins on the highway that you know they don't have to listen to authority or whatnot yeah. and it's like it's one speech around a fireplace it's like with Patrick Swayze, like giving it all his charisma. And I'm like, sure. As opposed to like some like must be. It felt like hundreds of speeches that the guy gave in the 2015 <laughs> one. Like by the end, I knew exactly why he was doing all these things. And I'm like, and I really don't care. Like it's it's <laughs> it's been so much of the time just looking at this guy talking. It's like and I just I don't care. Just he's like, why don't you get back on your snowboard and do some interesting things? Oh, that's boring, too. OK, well, <laughs> Yeah, I did not want to hear them talking to anyone. But you, you did so like you did slow it down for the dialogue. I did, pieces, yeah. Though, yeah. Oh, I didn't want to miss any crucial plot points. Oh yeah, so like all the crucial. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out it's not possible. Yeah, you can you can always feel it in like movies like the 2015 one when there's moments where two characters are driving and the one character goes, "I like you, kid," but and I'm like, "Okay, I have barely seen you two interact." So I feel like you had that line there so that you can let me know as an audience member that these two characters like each other, because there's no way I could have got that from the actual thing that I'm watching. There's no moment where Gary Busey says to Keanu Reeves, like, you know, like, I like you kids, or that you just see their relationship grow over the course of this movie. It's like um, this, like, kind of washed up, laughed at FBI agent who's like got a shot in the arm from this, like, young kid's enthusiasm and the two of them just going for it. Um, and to the point that when Gary Busey dies near is like at the end, I was like, I was emotionally devastated. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. No, it also sort of comes out of like left field. Like it's not something you would expect to happen. You yeah, know? like in most of these like action films, everyone just like walks away. Not Gary Busey dying. Not Gary Busey. <laughs> but, no. Everyone basically dies at the end. You know, except for Johnny Utah. Yeah. So definitely. 91 has it in terms of characters like 100 percent like um but you know 2015 had that huge budget so they must have done something with it um so what do you think of the stunts um between 91 and 2015 because they've obviously tried to go bigger in 2015 in terms of first of all they have like a million and a half more extreme sports in it um 
And then they also like up the ante because now like surfing has these kind of like big wave surfing now where you get pulled on with a jet ski out in the middle of nowhere. The guy driving the jet ski is some like very famous surfer. Yeah, he is. And also his dad was in the original Point Break. Um, oh, really? as like Yeah, he was like a stunt surfer for some of uh, Patrick Swayze's things. That's funny. The, like I do have to say like the they're like unrelated like like you put it earlier like if it was like a, a you know Red Bull commercial or like a extreme sports movie or show I think they would be good but for some like you know narrative film like like there's there's like no connection between any of them you know and it's like it's it's like so unbelievable that you know, someone would be, would be at that level for all of them. You know, had, had you ever heard the the term poly sport athlete? No, I had never heard it before. <laughs> Me neither. Like, I didn't know that was a thing. Like, I guess, like, is that decathlon person a poly sport athlete? Like, maybe, but like these type of sports is like whether they're like alpine snowboarders, they are like parachute, like skydiving and like wingsuit like enthusiasts. They're big wave surfers. They're free climbers. What like just they they can do it all apparently and infinitely more. Yeah. So I think in that part, that whole party they have out at the at the giant yacht. Mm, yep. You know, like it's so so like contradictory to like what the um, the other one was about. You know, or like. They're like, oh, yeah, we just like live for ourselves and, and um, you know, we just rob these banks to, to, um, to, you know, support our way of life. You know, and the other one's like, oh, yeah, we're, we're like sponsored by this like rich guy. And he just gives us this money. We don't really know why. You know, he throws us these parties and we don't really know why. But, you know, we take along so we can do this yeah. Ozaki 8 thing. It just like made zero sense to me. No, and apparently... also when they like when they steal that like money you yeah. know and they skydive out with it and then they cut it loose you know one it's so funny because like you know that, that somehow those those like six straps that they cut are like able to hold all the money down yep <laughs> you know even <laughs> even the ones that aren't touched by the straps and i'm like you guys are releasing them so high up like tens of thousands of feet and like how how the hell do you know where it's gonna land? Like, have you ever dropped a piece of paper before? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're just littering all over this jungle. <laughs> There's yeah. no way you calculated the trajectory it's gonna land in this like populated area, and like people are gonna pick it up. No, no way. And it's it is like it's a cool visual, but it's one of those things that just like this this movie very much feels like a group of executives sat down and they thought what's really cool with the kids these days and they started like listing out all these things and they're like okay let's try to create eight different things so that we can like kind of string us together from here to here to here to here and it's strange to me that they become so boring to watch like the the flight suit is like you know these are like impressive stunts they're actually doing this there's that it's like there's one really cool shot where it's like a slow motion shot where they get super close to the ground to the point that they actually like like kind of move the grass as they're like flying past and like and other than that one shot everything on either side of it just became so boring and i'm like this shouldn't be boring this is like really you put a lot of effort into getting this like but it just it goes on too long and it doesn't actually have any like story beats within the action. There is 
no like no like a to b to c to d it's just the same thing over and over again um which brings me to my favorite part of point break uh, like 91 the entirety of that movie my favorite part is the foot chase between keanu reeves and um ronald reagan um which you know patrick swayze in a mask (laughs) yeah um just because that whole chase is like you know, it is so much more lo-fi than these, yeah, like, yeah. the stunts in 2015. There's so much less going on. It probably, they shot it most likely in a day. And, like, probably in, like, just the span of, like, a single neighborhood. Um, But, you know, like, even within it, there is, like, dynamics to it. Them running through alleys and moving through. <laughs> it's, like, the moment where Patrick Swayze, like, locks the door. So Keanu has to go flying through the glass. The moment yeah. where Patrick Swayze he throws a pit bull. <laughs> like punch it away (laughs) just like my favorite part of the whole movie i'm like you just threw a dog at him like what is what is that as a technique yeah Yeah. (laughs) it's like you're just gonna wait for him around the corner and then throw a dog at him (laughs) no i think like i think at that moment that you know for me that splits it into like two movies um you know because post him Post him, um, you know, catching up to Patrick Swayze and like, you know, blowing out his knee. Yep. Um, you know, I, I really, really enjoy the, the first part. Like the action scenes are good. You know, the bank robbery scenes are, are, I think, are like quite good, and they still like hold up. And they have like, they have like tension, you know, yep. and like, you know, they seem like organized and, and like sort of well put together. Like the robbery scenes in the new one are just. It's like, oh yeah, I'm gonna jump on a plane with this money. Like it's just stupid. <laughs> you know? They like don't make any we're gonna we're gonna rob a bank at, with uh just like one way to get out, you know, there's just one street up and one street down. Like it's like, oh this doesn't make any sense at all. Um you know, because like and, and then the running scene you're talking about for me like it felt like it went on a bit too long you know oh yeah it felt like by the end i'm like holy shit like you guys are still running (laughs) (laughs) um which made me think about like uh like how is he running with that like mask on you know like after wearing a mask all day you know (laughs) and then also about like johnny utah's backstory about him being like this like former college star quarterback mm-hmm. you know like is that like no one would recognize him you know like not everyone like if tim tebow was like all of a sudden like hey i'm i'm gonna be an fbi agent like everyone would know you know like, <laughs> yeah well maybe this is like the years before the internet it's like and it's interesting that like I found it interesting that he went with his name. It's like like his actual name, Johnny Utah. But it turns out to be good because if he hadn't, then people would be like, "No, you're you're Johnny Utah, man. You're that quarterback." Is it? Um, and it is it is weird that that they went with that route. Is like um, but at the same time, like it does lead to an interesting moment between Keanu Reeves and Patrick Swayze's character that like they have an instant connection in the way that Patrick Swayze does know him and kind of respect him for football, mm-hmm. even though he's a terrible surfer. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So then, and then he, you know, because there's, you know, the because the chase scene in the the new one, they like go rob that like Italian bank, and then they can't get, you know, 
they can't get away and then there's that big shootout and then they escape on like gondolas and then he runs after them on the gondola and then he accidentally shoots um is it so what's the new one's name i still don't remember i i don't think it matters like literally like i don't think the yeah. movie cares so i'm not gonna care either <laughs> yeah, yeah. so he accidentally shoots her you know causes this turmoil you know and, and in, in the the old one you know then it the movie just takes like a turn that really doesn't make sense to me like he, he chooses not to shoot patrick swayze you know blows out his knee then he, you know, you get that epic scene of him just firing his gun into the into the air, which is hilarious, <laughs> you know. And then, but then he like goes to like a bonfire with them afterwards. They've blown his cover. <laughs> yeah, like after that, he's clearly blown his cover, and then they kind of show show up, right? They show up at his place, and they take him skydiving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you know, and also what's her name? You know, tries to kill him. Yeah. You know, she like breaks in, like, you know, shoots the pillow beside him. Oh, I forgot. Um, you know, the red hot chili peppers are in the first one. Yeah, yeah, they flee, right? He plays like he's one of the guys that tries to beat him up on the beach. Yeah, yeah, but all of them are in it too. Oh, really? The other ones too? Yeah, yeah, and then um, um, because <laughs> then then they have the the raid, right? They raid the other gangs. You know, because he like doesn't want to. He doesn't want to believe it. You know, you know it's us, not them. You know, which is such a funny thing for like Fast and the Furious to do again. Um, <laughs> but he doesn't want to believe. So they raid this other gang. And they're like dealing drugs. You know, and then they like, like what's, what's the deal with this gang having all these guns? You know, and, like just wanting to have this massive shootout with the FBI. Um, you know, then the FBI like you know breaks into the house and like starts you know just mowing these guys down and then there's like a woman in the shower you know <laughs> she like just comes out and starts like attacking you know she's like i'm ready to go <laughs> <laughs> well that's the great thing like seconds ago she was like screaming bloody murder or something like that and then she comes out of nowhere and just beats the crap out of keanu reeves <laughs> and like smashes his head yeah. off the sink yeah like do you, do you think if like if, if the fbi raided your place like lauren is gonna like go down swinging (laughs) you know you gotta you gotta wonder she's she's got a temper on her sometimes so i feel like she really could do some damage um i I think it'd be more likely that she'd be like yeah he's right over there i told him he wasn't supposed to be doing that (laughs) (laughs) yeah so so then after that after that um so then they they grab him and they like convince him to go skydiving you know, which doesn't really take much convincing. It's like, no, I shouldn't. And it's like, okay. And then they do that. I, you know, I couldn't figure out because they switch all the parachutes. Yeah. You know? And I couldn't figure out if they were like, you know, thinking to kill him or not. You know, that's why they like did that whole thing. You know, like, what's the point in that? They know he's an FBI agent. Like, yeah. what's the point in them taking him? Yeah. I, uh... I really don't know. It's it's really odd. Like, so like the idea that they like take him and kind of blackmail him into taking part in a bank robbery, um, like is a good idea. It makes sense to me because you know then you can get him there and kind of like leave him behind, and then he'll take the fall and all that sort of stuff. I don't understand how the 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 skydiving really played into that. Um, 
except to get him away from it. But there's so many other ways. I think that that's one of those moments where they're just kind of like similar to before. We need another extreme sport in here. We need skydiving. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It also made me think that like, um, maybe it was like to set up the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like what, not the end, sorry, but the, the second skydive scene. It's like, oh, they already have this capacity. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. It is. Um, I think I agree with you. It's, it's funny that the the chase scene and like the shooting the gun into this. Like, I was like, oh wow, we must be getting to the end of this thing. And I look, and there's like another forty minutes left of the movie. I'm like, <laughs> what? <laughs> this, this cover's blown. What more is there to do? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, which I think is so interesting for like the medium, you know, because like, it's like, oh, <laughs> you know, it's like he's like an undercover cop, and they figured it out. And like, how much more in movie can there actually be? Yep. You know, like the cat's out of the bag. You'd think so, wouldn't you? But it turns out there's a whole half of the movie left. Well, it's funny that you brought up The Fast and the Furious because I had seen that movie back when it came out and hadn't seen Point Break. Didn't realize that, like, The Fast and the Furious is pretty much a carbon copy of Hot, like, of, um, of Point Break, just with cars instead yes, of surfboards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. why the first the first Fast and first Fast and Furious was good. Yeah, I, I yeah, can't well, say much about the other nine, but <laughs> like they eventually transition, right? Like they they start off trying to be these kind of like crime capers with like street is like street racing as like the kind of central thing, and then they eventually become superhero movies where like they they don their alter egos when they get into a car. And that's to the point that the Rock has to say at one point, these guys are really well trained, highly armed, very dangerous. And whatever you do, don't let them get into a car. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Great writing. Oh, yeah. Great writing. It's like, it's like, I, uh, I tell people a lot about the, when you went to go see, um, I think you actually watched on the plane Furious 7 on the way was it when we were going to Israel. And you made the comment when we got off, you were saying like, you know, I didn't, I, I underestimated just how stupid this movie was when The Rock had his, his arm broken, when his arm was in a cast, and he says, <laughs> okay, I got to get going. And then so he's like, you're like, oh, he's going to rip that cast off. But no, he flexed that cast off. <laughs> oh, yeah. They just released a new one, right? Like, Yep, F9, yep. I haven't seen it yet. Like yeah, how, often, how often can the FBI need two precision drivers it's not even two anymore there's a ton of them now <laughs> maybe that's how the maybe that, that was the pitch for um redoing or reimagining point break they're like hey look this movie copied it they made this massive franchise we're gonna give you a hundred million dollars we could be that that like could this, be this us is shit. <laughs> it feels like they've okayed every idea it does kind of feel that way right like People are just kind of like, okay, sure, give it a shot, see what sticks, throw it at the wall. Yeah. <laughs> um, you were saying earlier that you would, it was like watching Point, is a like Point Break ninety one. You'd found that the uh, the visuals really hold up. Um, it's like it's considering that it, this movie is now thirty, yeah, thirty years, yeah. is it years old? Mm-hmm. Um. What is it? What about the visuals actually still uh, still work for you? Still stand out? I don't like. Maybe 
don't know, they didn't really do many special effects, right? Like it's like they're actually people surfing. Um, you know, they I couldn't imagine. I found myself like thinking like how did they shoot this? You know, because now you have like these like GoPros or like you know drones, which is I think what they shot the majority of 2015 on was yeah GoPros and drones a lot of it. You know, and like they really overused that in the new one. And the old one they had to use some like I think more clever, you know, camera or film filmmaking. And I, you know, I, I don't. You know, I think, I don't know if I've seen any other ones of her movies, but, you know, I think she's like a good director, you know, it's just like, okay, I think it's the same for um, Jurassic Park, you know, like the first one, they used like animatronics, which is so much better than using things like CGI and stuff. They didn't really try to overdo it. And like the scenes, you know, like the, the, the surfing scenes seem to hold up. I think the, the, the skydiving scenes are pretty, you know, strange, but <laughs> but they're actually skydiving. Um, yeah, they're actually skydiving. Um, you know, and, and like the the bank robbery scenes, I thought were like pretty good. Like in terms of like a bank robbery movie, I'm like, yeah, this is this is good. Like there's like tension. There's, you know, I thought it was good. Did you not think that? Or oh no, I I definitely think it's very good. Like Catherine Bigelow is one of those examples. Like for the longest time, she was one of the few female directors working at that kind of level of budget and influence. Mm. Um, so like she had like a, quite a few movies. She had then Blue Steel was pretty good. And then so she ended up getting Point Break, um, partially because she was dating uh, James Cameron at the time, or I think married to James Cameron at the time, who was the executive producer for this movie, who, you know, really anybody who is like been married to James Cameron for an extended period of time like I salute you and I feel like you deserve a medal because that man seems to be just be a nightmare of a human being great movies but uh but a little bit like morally compromised um I wonder what movie he was shooting at that time in the early 90s um that might have been Terminator 2 that era um but he's like, so after this movie, she has like a series of other swings and misses with other movies for an extended period of time until The Hurt Locker, much later when she becomes mm. like the first woman to win a, an Academy Award for Best Director. Uh, and then after that, she has Zero Dark Thirty, which gets her nominated again, um, as well as uh, then later Detroit, um, which I think is the last movie that she's directed so far. Um, and there's like quite a few of her movies kind of have this interesting aspect, which you know, you can kind of read into of like a woman in a male dominated field, whether that's like mm, kind of mm-hmm. the, the romantic interest in Point Break or Jamie Lee Curtis's care, like cop character in Blue Steel or Jessica Chastain's character in Zero Dark Thirty. And you you get this feeling that she kind of has that that kind of like way of being able to showcase that story in a way of like these are the women that are kind of like pushing themselves to play in this arena it's like um, they're not trying to change the arena. They're not trying to like, re- like reformat it. They're trying to basically play the same game as everybody else, but just with all of these obstacles in the way. And it's kind of like mm-hmm. an older form of it's like of feminism, I think, than what's going on right now, where a lot of people are trying to like push to have these spaces like reinvigorated and changed around. But at the same time, still like a very, what I would say, commendable and like in kind of in very intense it's like form of those like of um 
basically representation in that field of kind of like they're not going to make it easy for us so just keep pushing yeah that's that's a much uh, more well thought out take than i had (laughs) (laughs) well no because she is like a really good visual director and she has like a lot of cool is like uh, things in this movie in terms of how she is like um presents things and you're right it's so weird to think that they didn't have digital cameras at this point so all of that stuff was shot on film it's like all of it, like in the water with the waves, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. mounted to boards, mounted to feet. Like, how the heck did they do all of that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah, it's tough to say that really holds up, but I thought it was still impressive. Oh yeah, yeah. I think it's I think it's very impressive, and it's it's funny, right? Because you look at the surfing scenes in this one, and the the waves are so much smaller versus like the the waves that they're surfing in the 2015 version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And but they're actually like those stunts are being done in the 2015 version. They actually are surfing them. And there was a stunt where they had two people surfing the same wave, um, which is mm-hmm. incredibly dangerous and like not something that people do very frequently, especially on those sizes of waves. Yeah, yeah. It's like, but for some reason, even though it's real, it still looks fake to me. And I don't know <laughs> why. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think it's, it's just too overdone. I think too many of those, too many extreme stunts. It was really sort of strange. I can only really watch someone go downhill on a snowboard for so long before I kind of get bored. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then just have some like guy you don't know just go off the wrong ledge and you never see him again. <laughs> and they're like, we lost this guy. Who? <laughs> yeah, that was his path. It's just like Jeff. Who? <laughs> <laughs> There's something that they do in Point Break ninety one. It's like a it's like a cinematography thing that I I like I, I personally find quite interesting, and I don't really know why they do it, but I I think it looks pretty. Um, they have a couple of these shots where they'll have the characters in the foreground, and they'll have like kind of the waves and the ocean in the background. Mm. And I think because they're using natural lighting, they're not trying to light the place. Like the two characters are almost entirely in silhouette, even though it's like it's not like it's it isn't twilight or anything it's like during the the, like the heat of the day but like Mm -hmm. the two people are in twilight and really what you're focusing on is the ocean in the background and i think like those type of shots really stand out as kind of like something stylistically interesting while yeah there's nothing really stylistically interesting in the 2015 version (laughs) just drone and helicopter shots it's all coverage like they they have cool things uh, happening on screen so they're trying to get as many cameras on it as possible to cover it so they don't miss it um and I think because of that, you, you really get the feeling that they didn't have a plan for how it was going to like pan out. <laughs> they just kind of put yeah. as many cameras on it as possible and said, we'll figure it out in the editing room. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I think, you know, in terms of like an action film, like the 90s, like they had like the 91 version had like so many like other like elements. Like it had that whole, um, like you were saying, this like sort of motif of the waves, like when it comes with the... Uh, introduction and also in the, how, how it was shot but so they add a lot of like accoutrement to, to the film to make it more interesting um and then you have like these like side stories and these like characters that are also like more interesting like the whole like dea thing it's like oh you just ruined this whole dea investigation and like tom sizemore's pissed because he has corrupted <laughs> tips and like yeah, you don't want to piss off Tom Sizemore. That's what I'm saying. Which you you know he was good, you know, and he was like, you know, he was he was good. And but I think back to um, Saving Private Ryan, you know, I think I thought like he was like a standout character in that 
for me. Yeah, but he's great in that. Wasn't he also in Heat? He's also in Heat, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's another great like action movie from this era. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I feel like the end, I feel like for the 1991 version, I feel like it could have ended like four separate times. And I feel like they didn't know what to end on. And I feel like they were like, oh, we still have budget, so we're just going to keep shooting film. They're like, <laughs> you know, because like... You know, so they have that the first skydiving scene, which doesn't really make any sense, you know, like why they would do it, you know, and also if they think he's like a, you know, FBI agent, you know, and they convince him to go skydiving, like, it would make sense that they would just like, un- like, tie him a shitty shoot or something, you know, like, just kill him, you know, like, I thought that was really, would be the point, which it wasn't, and then, um, you know, then they convince him to to rob this bank, and so now he's a criminal. Look, I, I don't think like it would hold up in court if like you're like, hey, yeah, well they they blackmailed me. I have to do it. I think he definitely would. As a I, that might be considered like mitigating factors in sentencing. I still think he'd be found guilty of like participating, and I definitely think he wouldn't allowed to be a, a, a cop anymore after that. <laughs> yeah, especially because like two people die. You know, like you know, and so then they're escaping you know, to Mexico, and then they take them along, you know, like, why don't you just get on your plane and leave? <laughs> just go, just leave. So then they, so, so then they take them along, and uh, I thought, they, do they have a sheet for him, and they throw it out, or they don't have a sheet? No, I, I think it's, they, he, I think he jumps onto the plane, and then there is like, so Bodhi has a gun, and so then, yeah, there's only the one, there's only shoot enough for two, the two people that remain. And then, yeah, so Keanu Reeves, so the idea is that Keanu's just going to be stuck on the plane and they're going to get away. But he decides, nope, not today. I'm jumping out of this perfectly good airplane. And also, like, were they always preparing to jump out of the airplane? Like, who who on the getaway is like, okay, we're going to we're going to get this flight to Mexico, but we're not going to land. We're going to jump out of the plane. Yeah, also, how, I was like, I guess it must have been easier to charter your own private flight over top of mexico back in the day <laughs> yeah pre-9-11 yeah. yeah and so then he jumps out of the plane and then keanu goes after him and then he holds on to him and i'm like oh man i remember when i went skydiving like that the force that like pulls up on you like there's no way he's holding on <laughs> no when that shoot goes off he's but but yeah some people have like done this you know jumped out of an airplane without a without a horn uh, uh shoot on yeah it is nuts but i think what you're what you're forgetting about keanu reeves that it's like we uh it's been a while since we talked about it the man has biceps for days i think he'll, <laughs> I, he can hold on <laughs> yeah and then he he gets on the ground right Blows out his knee again. Like a, you know, there was some good foreshadowing in that that film. You know, like they they do. You know, except for the knee thing, they probably like overdo. You know, so then he blows out his knee again. He, and uh, you know, and then basically Bodhi goes off with that guy. Yeah. And the money, you know, which they could have also ended the movie there. Yeah. And then he tracks him down to Australia. And he, he like then they had that like fight. Yep. You know, in the in the water. 
and he handcuffs him. And at that moment, I'm like, oh, Kyung, uh, uh, Patrick Swayze is like a really good actor because it, it looked like when he handcuffed him, I'm like, oh, this guy would like, you know, cut off his arms to yeah. get away. And, and then, he, they, then he like lets him go. And, and then he goes to like ride this wave and die. And then he throws his, his um, FBI badge into the ocean. Yeah, but it's like also Keanu Reeves' hair is like noticeably different. Like, was there like a time, like a break in shooting or something? Yeah, well, I think it's supposed to be a year later. Mm. Yeah, so this had, this, that would also been foreshadowed because he had talked about mm. that around the fire about how like he's predicting that next year there's going to be like these huge waves off of Austin. It's like Australia. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is it? But yeah like all of that is ridiculous and i do understand that like this is kind of like a lord of the rings return of the king scenario where it's like how many endings does one 90s action (laughs) movie really need um i think i was able to like kind of get through all of the kind of like logic problems just because i was kind of i was along for the ride i was having a good time and i was kind of invested in um in the characters specifically in the uh johnny utah it's like a brody kind of um kind of like dynamic mm-hmm. uh you know like the bromance cinematic main mm-hmm. mainstay oh, yeah. it's, it's a yeah. it's a thing that kind of uh needs to be uh needs to be there in a lot of these movies it's like really big in the cop movies when you have like two partners but then they have this like great version in like the kind of cop crime like crime boss like bromance like that you'll see in like heat but also in kind of this movie um what do you think it is about the the bromance that so many people like what why is that such a thing that people gravitate towards especially in action movies being a connoisseur of such taste (laughs) yeah i thought i thought they toned down like the you know the homoeroticism in this film compared to like top something like top gun Gun. you know like top gun (laughs) You know, Top Gun, like um, Rocky just, Three. Yeah, you know, playing yeah, Rocky Three. They're just like oiled up and playing volleyball, beach volleyball. You know, at least in this, like, you do see Patrick Swayze without a shirt on, like a lot. You know, but he he's like jacked. But so there, I think there's a transition there. Yeah, I, I don't know what it is about the bromance that's like love so much. You know, I I don't. Do you have a, a good insight? Uh, I wouldn't say it's necessarily good, but it's like something. So, like you know, these movies, like movies like Point Break, Lethal Weapon, they often get toted as um, the quote-unquote dad movie because they were they were movies that the people who are now writing reviews dads watched for an extended period of time. And um, there's lots of different kind of aspects to that, but one of the things that I think the bromance is kind of interested, like the reason why people kind of like it, is because it's usually between two men who are bad at expressing their emotions and (laughs) the whole thing is kind of like you're inferring from their interactions something hidden beneath the surface and that kind of like the fun of it is that these two people would never be able to say that they care about each other but then you're kind of watching it happen and then you as the audience member get that kind of thrill of like i see what they don't see sort of thing yeah 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 that's a that's a good point yeah i think i think you're onto something there you know, like so much like a re- repressed emotion expression, you know. Yeah, that's a good point. I don't know how, like, you know, after Ken Reeves like lies to, um, what's the actress's name? Lori, Lori Petty. 
So he like like lies to her that he lost his parents, you know, and they have this like relationship and then she finds out he's like an FBI agent and like she like almost kills him and like, um, you know, have what's nothing to do with him, you know, and then they steal him. Her body kidnaps her, right? Yep. And then, and then, like, they also like end up together. Is that is that your takeaway? It's unclear, um, because they they do definitely have a nice embrace. Is like and seem to yeah. Like, why would she like run to him? <laughs> like, she's like, oh, I tried to kill you earlier. You also are a piece of shit and lied to me about everything. <laughs> Lesser of two evils, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, let's see, guy who was an asshole and lied to me, guy who threatened to murder me. Mm. Well, I'm in the middle of the desert. These are the only options. (laughs) Yeah, I felt that was a little strange. It's unclear. I I personally like to think in my own headcanon that like after this was done and they got back together, they thought about having a relationship. But really, Keanu Reeves was too obsessed with trying to hunt (laughs) down Patrick Swayze. And so the relationship was never allowed to happen. Hmm. That's what I like to think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So something I did want to ask you is like about is like um, now that we're probably getting to the is like the end of our results and discussion section. Um, is like, uh, um, a lot as well as being a uh, is like a aficionado of is like uh, action movies and an expert in the scientific arts. You're also very well versed in uh, climbing is like specifically like um, rock climbing, mm-hmm. bouldering mm-hmm. the like. Um, and so you had mentioned that with the 2015 point break, you actually did like uh, take it off of 2.5 speed for some of the climbing scenes where they do a, a free solo of a like a mountain in Venezuela somewhere. I guess it's a cliff in Venezuela somewhere. Mm-hmm. Like somewhere. Um, what was your take as like on the the climbing scenes? Were they realistic? Were they is like uh, inventive and interesting? Uh, did you get anything out of them? Yeah, I th- I thought the climbing scenes, um, they were I thought they were good, the way they were shot, um, you know the climbing is legit. You know they, they had they had two pro climbers, climbing them, um, and if you watch it, you can clearly see you can clearly recognize one of them. Um, it's. <laughs> His name is Chris Sharma, you know, and he has like long hair, like the, um, like the Johnny Utah, um, of that movie, and so he's climbing for him, and you can see, you know, they do share some like similarities, and they just like left him in there, like they didn't do any editing to like make it look like the actual actor, which I thought was like pretty. I'm like, oh, you can. They dyed Chris Sharma's hair. You know, but they didn't do really anything else. Um, yeah, the climbing, it looks way too, um, I, for sure they weren't free soloing it when they did it. Um, so they must have just like sort of edited out the gear because like the, like the pro climbers that they have that climbed it don't free, free solo. And also the the climbing that they were doing is like I was like oh this is like like no one's gonna free solo next to like a, a waterfall you know like the the rock is gonna get wet <laughs> like you're gonna risk your life on a wet rock, um, but yeah I thought it was it didn't really make any sort of sense in the film, but 
it's like, okay, <laughs> we have to climb this face. Um, but yeah, you know, I enjoyed enjoyed the aspect of or the, watching them climb, but it made no sense with the movie. <laughs> and falling from that great height and landing in water, viable? Not like survivable? Not survivable. <laughs> so like, if you're if you saw climbing, I, I don't think so, man. Like, <laughs> no, no, like they they throw themselves off of it afterwards and like land, yeah. and they both somehow survive. I'm like, no, I'm pretty sure you're dead. <laughs> <laughs> Like the impact you hit that water with is like gonna be insane. No, well, I was, was like, I, uh, I was wondering if you, this it would it would strike you well these these fl- uh, climbing scenes. So I'm glad that at least that portion of the movie, yeah, was like a but grabbed your interest so, I thought it was so funny when these when you, like when they cut to them climbing, you you can clearly recognize Chris Sharma. <laughs> I'm like, all right, well. I think we'll probably call the the results and discussion to a close. Do you have any last thoughts on the point breaks before we move into the conclusion? You would agree with my initial assessment that in the the chem the chemical reaction outlined of reactant to product, reactant being the ninety one and product being the twenty fifteen, mm-hmm. that really the reverse reaction is the preferred. Yeah, there's almost no forward reaction. <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah, it's it'd take quite a bit of some sort of it's like a force pushing forward to get there it's like such as a podcast you need to uh record <laughs> yeah. or maybe yeah, a lot a of huge, alcohol there's a that. huge energy barrier like you need, <laughs> need a lot of activation energy to get over that hump <laughs> yeah it's like, i think it's just it's just terrible it's just also it's like it's an endergonic reaction the damn thing like is just so energetically unstable on the other end you yeah. just got, can't do anything with it all right, so we're going to take it to the conclusion section now. So what we usually do in the conclusion section is we actually present a, a little bit of a different form of the rating system. So most people like to rate movies on like by stars or by numbers or some sort. Um, but we here think that rating movies based on a single numerical scale is kind of ridiculous. Like, how are you supposed to compare the brilliance is like of 1991's Point Break to something like Double Indemnity, the film noir from the 1944. Like, they are both great at what they are, but they are not the same movie and they should not be compared on the same scale. So instead, what we do here is we actually measure movies against other things for a very specific portion of what they do. So we compare a movie that does one thing and then we set up a positive and negative control for movies that either do that thing really well, so 100% for the positive control, or 0% for the negative control, so the thing that does the very, very worst. Um, So I'm not sure if you've set up a uh, conclusion thing for yours, Um, so I can go if you like. and um, Yeah, just give me a a sense of... Of what the yes. what the thing is, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So for me, I'm going to be measuring the point breaks against other movies with loose cannons that have a problem with authority. Um, so the positive control would be Die Hard, 100. John McClane, probably one of the best loose cannons, like police officers, like of the uh, like 20th century. Um, really, like kicked into high gear. A lot of these kind of like everyday cops stuck into ridiculous mm-hmm. scenarios and like trying to make their way through. I know Die Hard is a personal favorite of yours. It's like um, specifically the line, come to the coast, we'll have a few laughs. And he's talking <laughs> to himself. Well, it's like, so that would be what I would think as the 100% for a great example of a loose cannon. Um, my 0% for 
for a terrible uh, version of a uh, of a loose cannon, my negative control would be Will Smith and iRobot, um, who is supposed to be this like loose cannon cop who like knows what's going on and stuff like that. But he just comes off as kind of whiny. Um, <laughs> there's a there's a moment in the movie where he gets like he's the you know the classic, give me your badge, give me your badge and your gun. And as he's leaving, he see, he saw these cops that kind of looked at him. And so he like walks by them and says, do you think I care what you think? Do you think that I give a shit what you think? And he like screams it at them. And it's like, and my sister and I, every time we'd watch the movie afterwards, we're like, yes, yes, I do think you care what they think. <laughs> and it's that scene always just like stuck with me. It's kind of like, if you want to be a loose cannon, that's not how you do it. You have to be angry, but you have to look like, you know, like, I don't care. I'm going to go do this on my own. It's like none of this crap. So that is my 0%. And with those two in place, I'm going to give Johnny Utah from 1990 was like one's point break, a solid 95%, a very good loose cannon going off, doing his own thing, being reckless. It's like being just real bad at being an FBI agent for a good chunk of it. But, you know, he gets the guy at the end. So, you know, props as opposed to the 2015 point break guy who's trying to be a loose cannon but really just looks like mostly like a puppy dog. Like that's been scolded for most of the movie whenever he's interacting with his superiors and convinces them somehow to let him do these things with almost no evidence for reasons, you know, good old reasons. And so he gets like a solid 22%, um, which is double the numbers of percentages that point break 2015 has on rotten tomatoes. So, you know, that's, um, I like your breakdown. If I, I, I'll, I'll steal your positive control because I think that's a, you know, that number. Maybe I would say, then probably the number one loose cannon is maybe Eddie Murphy in, oh, in um, Beverly Hills Cop. Beverly Hills Cop. Oh, that's He's a so good loose cannon. Film. You know, like, <laughs> such a good film. Um, or maybe, maybe Forty Eight Hours. Him in Forty Eight Hours as well. Mm, yeah. Sure. Um, like literally the theme in Beverly Hills Cop is police need to lie more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, I like that movie. Oh, it's a, it's a great movie, but it has a very weird moral. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, maybe, yeah, comparing, I think it's maybe more on the same level as Die Hard. Like, you know, Beverly Hills Cop is this a different type of action film. Um. And I would say, yeah, it's 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 like for me, ninety-two to ninety-five, like it's such a good I've seen it so many times. Like it's such a good movie. The the new one <laughs> <laughs> the the new one I, I like I'll I'll I'm gonna compare it differently from you, um, from like loose cannons to like um other sort of reimagined, um, you know, sequels or, or reboots or something mm, like this. Yep. Yeah, I was going to put it like with within the fa Fast and Furious fan franchise. But now that I think about it, like maybe, maybe it's like equivalent to like a Tokyo Drift. But even Tokyo Drift has like so many better moments than this movie. Yeah, Tokyo Drift has, you know, cars drifting. But similarly, though, Tokyo Drift kind of got to the point after like the 50th drift. I'm kind of like, OK, there's diminishing returns here. Like it's no longer as cool. <laughs> you have a little bow wow. <laughs> I forgot about him. <sighs> and the really Texan actor that would end up being in 
we'll say, oh, which one of the uh, CSIs? I think it was CSI Miami. Or oh, was really? it? I didn't know that. Yeah. Or was it a different one? Maybe it was an NCIS. Who is like? Who knows? Those, 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 they're all interchangeable. Those are dad shows for sure. I didn't even have, I didn't even have one to compare it to. It's, it's one of the worst films I've ever seen. <laughs> so point, are you going to put point break 2015 as your, uh, as your 0%? It's, it is the new negative it's, control. Yeah. yeah it's, it's like, it's so bad. Yeah. It has all the things I don't like. It has like unmotivated, like editing just for coverage. It has like characters that say that they have a relationship because they can't actually forge one on screen. Mm-hmm. It's like, it has um, basically no interest in being anything other than a spectacle. And, uh, and it's, it, it reads like a executive's wet dream of, like extreme <laughs> things to put on screen to get the teenage boys in and give all their money away and um yeah. it's uh it's not good don't watch it if you must watch it watch it fast <laughs> so you can get through it and watch the 1991 point break which was actually yeah. really good <laughs> yeah it's a, it's a good film it's a yeah. really good film so one way or another if we what we can say from this whole thing is at the very least i saw a really good movie and I enjoyed it. So thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. You know, this is fun. I'm sorry yeah. it took me so long to watch these films or watch the second one. This, this is <laughs> this is science. This is what I'm familiar with. It's like anyone who's a is like who's a postdoc on it's like on these authorships. Generally, it takes around two or three like botched attempts at recording before we can finally get it underway. So we've we did good. We did good. Um, and that would like fits quite nicely into the very last part of our podcast, the acknowledgements. So it's like, um, I have to say, was like a very big thank you to Dr. Corey Stevens. It's like for uh, <laughs> taking your it's like time out of your day, like your night, actually your Sunday evening is like in between all the different things you do. It's like to, uh, to take, it's like take some time to chat with me about this movie. I had a great time. Thank you very much. Oh yeah. Thank you. Do you um, ever leave like an Easter egg to see if anyone like ever listens to all the way to the end? Sometimes, sometimes. I was like, I saw it's like uh, there's been a few times where I've had kind of like fun like musical cues at the end. Um, Sean and I did an episode on uh, how the Grinch stole Christmas, and in it I brought up that um, the Cindy Lou from as like the Jim Carrey version of How the Grinch Stole Christmas grew up to be like a lead singer for a rock band. Um, is like like that is very like anti-christian and yeah they're they're called the pretty reckless and so at the very end of the episode i i had the song that she sang that suddenly hard cut to um it's like going to hell by pretty reckless um (laughs) and no one's commented on it yeah so i think that uh it's like all those people that listened that episode didn't make it all the way through but you know what i had a great time (laughs) so that's all that matters like i thought thought, like when i watched it Again, what I found was they said like the Johnny Utah's gang. Oh, not Johnny Utah's gang, but uh, Patrick Swayze's gang always eats at this roadhouse, and I thought that was a callback to Roadhouse. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know if they put that in there on purpose or not. They might have. They might have. Um, I also liked how it's like in. Uh, so when they go to that party in Point Break, they're all like drinking Corona. And then in Fast and the Furious, when uh, they go to the party, pretty much the exact same scene, 
it's like and um vin diesel says to um paul walker's character it's like you can have any beer you like as long as it's corona <laughs> I'm like, did they get the exact same like sponsorship? Did, did they go out of their way to get the exact same sponsorship as Point Break? Yeah, that's also funny. Like, I didn't put how similar those two movies were together. Like, they're identical. They, they are because the same. Like, when, they, when, when he first brings um, Johnny Utah to the party, he's like, "You can have anything," and or like, "Anything I anything of mine is yours." And for sure, they're talking about. Um, the woman or that's what he's implying you know but i thought also i thought that's also what dominic toretto says to paul walker it's there's so many of those kind of overlaps and like yeah it, i've never seen the uh, since i never seen point break i never kind of knew just how closely they followed each other but it's it's practically the the whole damn movie it's like um yeah, I'll take, uh, take all the way down to him letting him go at the end. But the the only difference is that, strange enough, in Fast and Furious, it actually kind of makes more sense, which is weird. Yeah. <laughs> which is really saying something. <laughs> yeah. Also, Gary Busey's character doesn't die in the... That's true. Gary Busey's character in is like in the Fast and Furious. They also try to like play it off, right? Because in, in Point Break, we know that like Keanu Reeves is an FBI agent for the entirety of the time. Well, in the Fast and the Furious, we actually find out that Paul Walker's character is an FBI agent. Like, I think a third of the way through the movie. Maybe this should be our next. Maybe, maybe if you have me on again, we'll we'll dig into the Fast and the Furious. I would love that. It's like I'm I'm putting it in the calendar now. Next time we're gonna watch the Fast and the Furious. It's like, but that means that you're gonna have to watch all the sequels too. <laughs> no way, you can't commit to watching nine movies. What's like, well, like the first one would be good though, or the second one. Yeah, it's, it's Ludacris actually... shows up in the second one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, um, well, technically, it's ten movies because there's also Hobbs and Shaw. <laughs> anyway, I can't believe I can't believe that that like one of them made like a billion dollars. Oh yeah, Th- those are they're such popular movies. People love those things, and I'll just uh, I'll never I'll never understand. Um, yeah. Anyway, I uh, also have to say a big thanks to Brett Kinrad for our impending theme song, which I'm sure is just around the corner, and our fabulous editor, Felicity Janes. If you'd like to provide a review of our submission, feel free to email us at artsunionscience at gmail.com, all one word with no caps. You can let us know if you accept our findings, accept them with revisions, or outright reject them. We in academia are used to rejection and won't take it personally. Thanks for listening, and make sure to join us again in another two weeks' time for another submission to the Arts Union Science Journal. Your session with the Arts Union Science Journal has expired. Please try again later.